Chapter five of Superseded from Two Sides of a Question by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter five Healers and Regenerators. Rhoda had spoken to Miss Cursiter. Nobody ever knew what she said to her, but the next day Miss Cursiter's secretary had the pleasure to inform Miss Quincy that she would have leave of absence for three months and that her place would be kept for her miss quincey had become a person of importance old martha fumbled about unnaturally attentive even mrs moon acknowledged juliana's right to be ill if her foolish mind were set on it there was nothing active or spontaneous in the old lady's dislike of her niece it was simply a habit she had got an agreeable sense of her dignity stole in on the little woman of no account she knew and everybody knew that hers was no vulgar illness it was brain exhaustion altogether a noble and transcendental affair miss quincey was a victim of the intellectual life in all the five-and-twenty years she had worked there st sidwell's had never heard so much about miss quincey's brain and on her part miss quincey was surprised to find that she had so many friends day after day the teachers left their cards in sympathy the girls sent flowers with love there were even messages of inquiry from miss cursiter and not only flowers and sympathy but more solid testimonials poured in from st sidwell's parcels which by some curious coincidence contained everything that dr cautley had suggested and miss quincey refused on the grounds that she couldn't fancy it for a long time miss quincey was supremely happy in the belief that these delicacies were sent by the head and she said to herself that one had only to be laid aside a little while for one's worth to be appreciated it was as if a veil of blessed illusion had been spread between her and her world and nobody knew whose fingers had been busy in weaving it so close and fine dr cautley came every day and always at the same time at first he was pretty sure to find miss vivian sitting with miss quincey or drinking tea in perilous intimacy with mrs moon then came a long spell when time it as he would he never saw her at all rhoda had taken it into her head to choose six o'clock for her visits and at six he was bound to be at home for consultations but rhoda or no rhoda he kept his promise he was looking well after miss quincey he would have done that as a matter of course for his worst enemies and he had several could not say that cautley ever neglected his poorer patients only he concentrated or dissipated himself according to the nature of the case giving five minutes to one and twenty to another when he could he gave half hours to miss quincey he was absorbed excited he battled by her bedside his spirits went up and down with every fluctuation of her pulse you would have thought that miss quincey's case was one of exquisite interest rarity and charm and that cautley had staked his reputation on her recovery when he said to her in his emphatic way we must get you well miss quincey his manner implied that it would be a very serious thing for the universe if miss quincey did not get well when he looked at her his eyes seemed to be taking her in taking her in seeing nothing in all the world but her as it happened sooner than anybody expected miss quincey did get well mrs moon was the first to notice that she hailed juliana's recovery as a sign of grace of returning allegiance to the memory of tollington moon now said the old lady i hope we've seen the last of dr cautley of course we have said miss quincey she said it irritably but everybody knows that a little temper is the surest symptom of returning health what should he come for 
to run up his little bill my dear you don't imagine he comes for the pleasure of seeing you i never imagine anything said the little arithmetic teacher with some truth but they had by no means seen the last of him if the old lady's theory was correct cautley must have been the most grossly avaricious of young men the length of his visits was infamous their frequency appalling he kept on coming long after miss quincey was officially and obviously well and on the most trivial the most ridiculous pretexts it was just to see how she was getting on or because he happened to be passing or to bring that book he told her about he had prescribed a course of light literature for miss quincey and seemed to think it necessary to supply his own drugs to be sure he brought a great many medicines that you cannot get made up at the chemist's insight understanding sympathy the tonic of his own virile youth and heaven only knows if these things were not the most expensive all the time miss quincey was trying to keep up with the new standard imposed on the staff hitherto she had laboured under obvious disadvantages now in her leisurely convalescence sated as she was with time she wallowed openly and wantonly in general culture and it seemed that the doctor had gone in for general culture too he could talk to her for ever about shakespeare tennyson and browning miss quincey was always dipping into those poets now always drawing water from the wells of literature by the way she was head over heels in debt to sordello and was working double time to pay him off she reported her progress with glee it was only a hundred and thirty-eight more pages dr cautley in forty-six days i shall have finished sordello well then you will have done what i never did in my whole life it amused cautley to talk to miss quincey she wore such an air of adventure she was so fresh and innocent in her excursions into the realms of gold and when she sat handling her little bits of tennyson and browning as if they had been rare nuggets recently dug up there what could he do but feign astonishment and interest he had travelled extensively in the realms of gold he was acquainted with all the poets and intimate with most he knew some of them so well as to be able to make jokes at their expense he was at home in their society beside his light-hearted intimacy miss cursiter's academic manner showed like the punctilious advances of an outsider but he was terribly modern this young man he served strange gods healers and regenerators whose names had never penetrated to st sidwell's some days he was really dreadful he shook his head over the idols of the king made no secret of his unbelief in the princess and shamelessly declared that a great deal of in memoriam would go where mendelssohn and the old crinolines have gone then something very much worse than that happened miss quincey gave him a copy of the address to the students and teachers of st sidwell's and it made him laugh she pointed out the bit about the healers and regenerators and refreshing yourself at the wells of literature that is a beautiful passage said miss quincey he laughed more than ever oh yes beautiful beautiful they're to do it in their evenings are they and when they're faint and weary with their day's work and he laughed again quite loud laughed till mrs moon woke out of a doze and started as if this world had come to an end and another one had begun oh he was very sorry and he begged a thousand pardons but really that passage was unspeakably funny he didn't know that miss cursiter had such a rich vein of humour in her for the life of her miss quincey could not see what there was to laugh at nor why she should be teased about tennyson and bantered on the subject of browning but she enjoyed it all the same he was so young 
he was like a big schoolboy throwing stones into the living wells of literature and watching for the splash it did her good to look at him so she looked smiling her starved smile and snatching a fearful joy from his profane conversation there were moments when she asked herself how he came to be there at all he was so out of place somehow the moons and quincies denounced him as a stranger and intruder the very chairs and tables had memories associations that rejected him everything in the room suggested the same mystic antagonism it was as if mrs moon and all her household gods were in league against him oddly enough this attitude of theirs heightened her sense of intimacy with him made him hers and no one else's for the time the pleasure she took in his society had some of the peculiar private ecstasy of sin and mrs moon wondered what the young man was going to charge for that little visit and what the total of his account would be she said that if juliana didn't give him a hint she would be obliged to speak to him herself and at that juliana looked frightened and begged that mrs moon would do nothing of the kind there will be no charge for friendly visits said she and she made a rapid calculation in the top of her head nineteen visits at say seven and six a visit would come to exactly nine pounds nine and sixpence and she smiled possibly she thought it was worth it and really those friendly visits had sometimes an ambiguous character he dragged his profession into them by the head and shoulders he had left off scribbling prescriptions but he would tell her what to take in a light and literary way as if it was just part of their very interesting conversation browning was bitter and bracing he was like iron and quinine and by the way she had better take a little of both then when he met her again he would ask have you been taking any more browning miss quincey and while miss quincey owned with a blush that she had he would look at her and say she wanted a change a little tennyson and a lighter tonic strychnine and arsenic was the thing and mrs moon still wondered i never saw anything like the indelicacy of that young man said she you're running up a pretty long bill i can tell you oh yes a long long bill for we pay heavily for our pleasures in this sad world juliana end of chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine